Welcome to the Catapulting Commission's podcast. This is the place where we discuss how to maximize performance and improve retention with today's modern sales force. Every conversation on the show has one goal in mind, and that is to catapult your commission. I'm your host, Anthony Garcia, international best-selling author, motivational speaker, and a lifelong sales enthusiast. Be sure to join me every week as we interview sales leaders and entrepreneurs from around the world. We will discuss best practices and ensure that you leave motivated and inspired to take action. Now, let's enjoy today's episode. Catapulting Commissions family. What's up, team? Welcome back to this week's episode of the Catapulting Commissions podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Garcia. Here's the deal. We have taken this show going year four, and we have expanded our footprint. We have guests that have come from all over the world, from China, Australia, Italy, Europe, South America. And today's guest comes from New Zealand. I'm super excited to spend some time with my friend, Sinjin Craner. Now, Sinjin, he's the founder of Agrarian, and it's a farming company. And I'm going to get all into the details about what Sinjin does. But here's here's the deal. Catapultic Commission's family, Sinjin's a sales guy. And you will hear through this conversation, we talk about often, industry agnostic, the psychology of sales and influencing people. It doesn't matter if it's farming, if it's software, if it's medical, if it's coaching, there's some cues in there. And that's what we're going to break down today. Sinjin, welcome to the show. Anthony, uh, amazing intro. Thanks for that. I hope I live up to it. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. No doubt. So, so give us a little rundown. So, I'm, I, I know we talked before agrarian. Is that is, did I pronounce it yeah, correctly? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you've got it. Um, agrarian means the advancement of agricultural interests. So uh, in New Zealand, particularly uh, in Australia, very heavy export uh, driven. So we produce maybe 90, 95% of all the primary sector produce we produce is exported. So an agrarian economy, obviously in the States back in the old days, you know, before industrial revolution, you were an agrarian based economy. So uh, yeah, some people think uh, agriculture and farming is a sunset industry. I think it's a sunrise industry because we all learn about food security during COVID and food and farming is one constant we are very, very focused on. Okay. So in that industry, and I, and I'm, I'm, I want to say I'm lukewarm familiar with the agriculture industry, right? Me, myself, I live and catapult commission's family you've heard me say this i live in the central valley of california right the the agricultural area of you know i don't say the united states but we'll say the western united states my ag friends will say they produce more ag than anyone else but i don't have enough to debate that but i'm interested in this topic here because when we think of sales right we think of like this hardcore you know like the old methodologies of just pounding phone calls getting in people's faces trying to like almost combative which the 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 uh, approach has evolved over the years and it's more of a consultative it's more of a uh, of a calculated approach so give us a little background on the sales process and the sales methodologies and what it is that you teach your people your teams the people you work with in the world of agricultural sales and how can we apply that to the listeners who let's just say the industry agnostic majority of them are service-based uh providers various different industries yeah, no, great place to start, Anthony. Um, so regardless of what industry you're in, um, humans have the first principle uh, I'll share with you is reactance theory. So during COVID, our respective governments down here, down under in New Zealand, Australia said, don't panic buy. What's the first thing everyone did? Panic buy. 
Right, okay. So we don't like to be told what to do. So we don't like to be controlled. So what we talk about, I'm going to get right into it. The problem with sales is selling. Okay. The problem with sales is selling because what happens if you try and force someone or control someone, now you can dial that up and 10x that for a farmer who is completely self, um, you know, they are very much uh, agents and uh, merchants of their own land. They are wanting, in terms of agency and autonomy, they do all their own things. If they wanted to go and earn money, they'd move to the city and run an office job. But they don't. They are very much uh, people of men and women of their own choice and volition. So they don't like to be controlled because there's so much they can't control. So whether it's industry agnostic or not with your sales, FMG, medicine, machinery, whatever it happens to be, SAS, you cannot – people have got this aversion to sales and it's reactance theory. Um, I mean, you, you know, I have, I have young boys get in to clean their room is is really really hard and that's reactance theory in its most basic form right but you know uh if we're selling to someone we're not doing it right so yeah problem with sales and we can unpack that a lot more but reactance theory is a very real thing because we react to people trying to do something to us we would like to take chase uh, a choice agency and autonomy over our decisions so sales is more about supporting decisions and helping buyers make accurate informed decisions as opposed to selling to them something that's done to them it's something that's done with them Okay. I, I like that. I, I've heard that, you know, we do something for sales is something we do for someone, but hearing that approach in, in you, the reactions theory, it makes complete sense. All right. You, the way you explain it to me, I get it. I, I have, I have young daughters. I see it in its purest form. So that I understand where, where I think where I'd love to go with this is um, let's just, let's take a look at, companies, salespeople in general. When I say companies, I'm talking about the founder-led companies. I'm talking about the salespeople in these organizations that are making the sales calls, jumping on the Zoom calls, doing the prospecting. Knowing what we know, what you just shared right now about the reactions theory and people don't like to uh, be in a combative situation, right? Help us unpack here. Why do majority of these people struggle majority of the salespeople, the majority of the founders. Um, I, I'm sure you've, you've had colleagues that come to you. I've had clients that have come to me and like, Hey, I spent 10,000 or $20,000 on advertising last month. We took X amount of calls and we broke even, or we lost money. We didn't convert and we're struggling. Why do you see majority of these people fail? Yeah. Great question. Um, the reason most people fail is, um, they don't believe in themselves. So, you know, my man, that sales is not for the faint hearted. It is hard, hard work on the front line. You're going to face a lot of rejection. Again, back to the psych stuff. When we are rejected by people, that's the biological brain kicking in, right? Because we get kicked out of the cave and we get eaten by that saber toothed tiger. We don't get a seat at the table. We don't find a mate. We don't get a food source. So, Getting rejected is the reason why um, people have an aversion to sales and that whole call reluctance. Why people generally fail at sales is they don't have a belief in themselves. So they don't carry a confidence and conviction in themselves, which the buyer's going to pick up on subconsciously or subliminally. So when you don't believe in yourself and then you and, and compound it in a bad way when you don't believe in your product or service that you sell, you're going to really, really struggle. 
So that's the reason the reason why most people sell. And I mean, again, without getting all David Goggins, although, you know, yeah, mm-hmm. we're reading his book here too on Never Finish. And I was piling through that this morning before the kids get up because I love to read when it's quiet before the kids get up. You know, this lack of desire, this lack of discipline, this lack of commitment application, you know, listening to your, your lovely lady of the CrossFit gym a couple of podcasts ago, you know, she is focused, she's disciplined, she's going to get the job done. Um, you know, I don't know what the stats are, but I think it's something like a crazy amount. It's something like 67% of uh, reps do not make quota, do not make target, but they're not willing to do anything about it. So they don't apply themselves. They don't train all the time. They do intensity, which we'll talk about rather than consistency. So there's a lot around the belief of yourself. And, and the most importantly, because we're here to talk about psychology a lot, is psychology of self. So if you don't understand yourself and then you don't understand and believe in your product, then you are not going to sell. So this is why so many people fail because they don't start with themselves and they don't understand the basics of psychology and all self success, as you know, Anthony starts with yourself. Yeah. It's hearing you say it, it makes sense. It makes sense to me. Sure. It makes sense to you. Um, and, and pushing yourself, right. And you're referencing the podcast with, with Jennifer, Wright. If capital mm-hmm. is family, great, great episode. Go ahead and check that out. But she talks about it in, in high performers in athletics. I look at that, right. So right now, we, you know, my daughter's a highly competitive, uh, martial artist, really young age, 13 years old. And if you get a chance to follow my Instagram stories, like I've, I've had people like, I can't believe you're doing this to your daughter. I'm like, you, you, she's doing it. You're scared it. of her already. You're scared yeah. of her already. Yeah, awesome. I'm just like, hey, man, I'm, I'm just making sure she doesn't die along the way. I'm giving her some water and making sure she stays in her weight class. But what I see from, from these athletes is they push themselves. They start at such a young age. They don't know any better. Like They're like, oh, I'm just going to step out and become vulnerable. And I'm going to try to do my best, right? So, so right now, I, I look at my daughter. She's trying to advance uh, to represent Team USA for Taekwondo. In her opinion, right, she's going all the way. Chance of failure exists. She gets it, but it doesn't hold her back. Somewhere along that line, we lose this inner child in us. We become adults. We go into yeah. the world of business or, or, the yeah. com- or the workspace, and we have to go sell something. And we're like, man, they're going to tell me no. They're going to tell me to get out of yeah. here. They're going to reject me. And it becomes a me-focused feeling. So to hear you say we start with ourself, I, I love that. So if we start with ourself in business or in sales, how do I prepare myself or mentally prepare myself or spiritually or whatever it takes to take that first step into sales? And, and, and if I'm an owner of a company, how do I instill that into my people? Yeah, look, I mean, it all comes down to belief, right? Because... I think Dan Pink talked about buoyancy belief in his um, To Sell is Human, that book. And I really, really believe in that is that if you don't believe in yourself and what you're selling, you shouldn't be selling it. End of story. If you don't believe you have a product that you can point to with proof and truth that it works, you shouldn't be selling that product or service. So your belief, your conviction, your confidence that you carry in your conversations, in your character come from the fact that you have a highly effective product or service that can improve the condition of your customer. In my world, in my tribe, in, in the sector that I serve, you know, yield, production, water use efficiency, um, milk solids, uh, live weight gain on sheep, and everything else. These are all things that need to occur for them to see that there is a value proposition, to see that there's a outcome. Um, so yeah, for me, you know, everyone's on a different journey. Everyone's wired differently, Anthony. But ultimately, you've got to really understand yourself and your mental uh, game. And we can get into that a bit more because like, let's pull back to Jennifer and the whole sort of athletics thing Mm -hmm. and your daughter is 
the way your daughter's going to exceed is not through physical parity, but it's the mental edge, right? So, you know, this is why psychology is a sales superpower because you can do all the training and, you know, you've got wonderful resources like this podcast and you're, 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 a, you're a student of sales, you're a lifelong learner. But if you cannot look after your mind and make yourself mentally fit and mentally strong with all the rejection, which you shouldn't be taking personally, because if you believe in your product, it doesn't touch you, right? Because a no is, well, that's okay. It wasn't the right fit, but well, let's go find another one. Because you know your product can improve your client's condition. See, belief is everything. If you don't believe in yourself, you're going to get knocked down pretty damn quick. And you carry that belief from the preparation that you do, the planning that you do. Because I always talk about four Ps, and this isn't sort of Kotler. This is you basically plan and prepare to profit and perform. Mm. So if you plan and prepare, you will profit and you will perform. And you've got to be ready. And it's it's like an event. You don't turn up and go, oh, I wish I'd done less training. You just need to do everything you possibly can to give yourself the biggest chance of success. Oh, man. Yeah, it, it is a psychological thing. It, it's, it is so mental. And it's, you know, you look at the athletes, right? I mean, I, I Kobe Bryant for me, I, I'm, I'm from Los Angeles area. I've been a Kobe Bryant fan my whole life, but it wasn't until uh, his death that I started really like following and learning more and more about his work ethic. And you're looking at his work ethic and you're like, oh man, like for people that didn't like you, yeah, you you were kind of rough on the court, but to understand your work ethic, I gotta be honest with you. If I'm, if I'm the CEO of a fortune 500 company and I got to pick my first meal to come help me, I'm taking that guy (laughs) because mentally stronger than anyone else around him. So, So, all right. So interesting, sorry to jump in, but I think this is where we, this is something that's really useful for the listeners. There's a lot of time that we're focusing on the kind of the, the rational Uh part of the sales training, but what about the emotional and psychological and mental edge of sales training? So, you know, what I'm spotting with my training down here in Australia and New Zealand is a lot of my guys, they're predominantly guys have a very low sense of confidence you know we talked before coming on air about you know that whole kind of rancher grower farmer very humble a lot of humility not brash not cocky um and sometimes you know that confidence isn't there but the confidence anthony comes from competence so there's a correlation between the two right so you can only be naturally confident when you have dialed in your competencies. So if you have competence and capabilities, that will correlate and connect to your confidence. So sorry to jump in there. No, but that no, is no. Really it, it, point. In that situation, are you referring to the competencies in understanding human behavior or the competencies yeah, of good. understanding my product? Great, great um, clarity there. I think it's first very important that what happens is with sales training, a lot of the time sales training is actually called product training. Mm-hmm. And actually, you know, I can't remember whether it's Kotler or whoever that said, you need to be more obsessed by your prospect than your product. We all feature creatures. We fall in love with our product. We smile and dial. We use we language, not me language, all the stuff that you know about, bro, right? Yep. So, and and what happens is we, we lose the sale because we lose the customer. What we need to do is we need to understand human-based behavior, and understand and be students of behavior because ultimately in sales, we are trying to influence a behavior that is hopefully going to come our way. And, but most importantly, 
influence the behavior that's going to help them first and foremost as your client. So you really have to understand, you have to understand the buyer's brain, like the process that they go through, the fact that their amygdala is firing off rapidly when you turn up and you drive your truck, in my case, up farm driveways, if you haven't made an appointment, they go, oh, God, what's this guy here to sell me now? I haven't got time to talk to him. He's going to sell me something I don't want. So as we know, the sales role is already very, very challenged. It's very, very hard. But if you don't understand what your buyer's brain is going through in a neurological and physiological sense, then you're already you're already at a disadvantage. But when you master it, you can get a competitive advantage. That, I love the clarity on that. And, and yeah, I mean, a lot of the sales training programs that are conducted right now are product training programs. They're I mean, glorified product training, Anthony, 100%. And so I go to conferences or plan days. I was very fortunate I get flown over to Aussie by clients. And I sit there at their conference or their planning day and the agenda is dominated by product training. I said, where's the psych in here? Where's the human-based behavior stuff? Because that's the mental edge. Like we learn a lot from sport, right? Because you and I are sports nuts. Like my guy, my boy adores NBA. He just studied it. He loves his cricket. We're out there in the nets last night. It's summertime down here. But like the psychology and the buyer's brain and understanding the mental component of sales is the thing that will give you a competitive difference. And that's why I call psychology a sales superpower. We don't do enough of it. Oh, we definitely don't. And, and Catapult to Commissions family, here's the deal. If you're listening to this right now and you haven't taken that step to say, hey, let me just put myself in the position of my buyer and see what it is that they care about. Not what I want them to care about, but what they actually care about. And if you do that, you're a naturally better salesperson just by thinking about what that person wants. Um, you, you know, we, we're talking about, you know, Sinjin here, you're in the agricultural, the rural community, the sales process, mm. right? My last corporate world was in medical. I would call on some mm. of the, the brightest, uh, surgeons and surgical brains or medical brains really in the United States and, and mm. at big academic schools. And, you mm. know, I, kn- I know a lot of guys, first name basis, cell phone numbers, all that, those relationships established because I approached them and called on them and developed, I wanted to sell my product, but I really was like, Hey man. What does this person really care about? What's important to them? What's not important to them? And I could tell you what's not important to them. Another random salesperson trying to sell them something. So yeah. we, you, we had to figure out a way to develop these relationships. And once, once that happens, then things multiply. And it's, it's pretty exciting. So if, if we're looking at the psychology first, right, how would a business owner train their team? Or what would you recommend that first step is to bring their team together to here's the psychology of our buyer. Like, how do we find that? Or how do we determine that? Yeah, very good. The first thing we have to do, and I love where this conversation is going, is we have to adopt what we call a buyer mindset, not a seller mindset. So what we have to do, we have to, a concept that we train is serve to sell. So everyone's got this hang up with being a salesperson or the yuck and mystery of a a sleazy, fast hand rubbing salesperson. But everyone loves serving, right? Everyone loves serving. And the problem is sometimes without getting down a rabbit hole, we put salespeople, we put service people in sales roles. The way we flip that coin, the way we invert Charlie Munger style is to go, actually, instead of selling, we start serving, right? And the way we start serving is by getting seriously curious about our customer and how we get curious about a customer, and stop me anytime here, Anthony, if no, this no. doesn't make sense. When we uh, get curious about a customer, what does a curious person do? What is a, When you're having your conversations with those big MDs and those 
um, massive surgeons in your way and the, and the good dude that you are, what was your tool that you used in terms of that curiosity to convey your, your sincerity of intent, your genuine uh, want to serve? What tool did you use? I mean, the tool I used was, was really the human connection. And, and the thing that I knew, how I connected myself to them was I knew this person, this medical professional, cared about the outcomes and the well-being of their patients. Perfect. The products, the implants, yeah, they kind of helped, but they were more concerned about the well-being of their patient. And if yes. I could demonstrate that I cared about the well-being of their patient on products or services or surgical procedures that I could not benefit from, Right. So if I sold the implant in this service, but yeah. the lateral business was, you know, he did another surgery on the similar patient. If I could demonstrate, I can speak articulately at a level of medical acumen that he would respect me to demonstrate that I cared about the well-being of this patient with nothing to sell. It was almost like the natural guard of me trying to sell something completely fell because at that point I came as a colleague, as an associate, as a professional. Um, so, I mean, is that kind of the direction you're going? Like, what did I do? Yeah, that's, 100%. That's no, I don't do. Absolutely. And I reckon you use questions. Oh, 100%. Now, so, so a curious person asks really good questions, and people are judged by the questions they ask. They give themselves away by their, their intent of the questions. Same for buyer, same for seller. So here's the thing for your listeners. This is a thing I think has been probably one of the most important things I've learned is in this sort of – uh, allergy and immunization to poor, bad, shitty sales experience that happen in probably 90% of cases, the sales experience is awful. What we have to do is we have to flip it on the head. And I, I talk about the serve to sell concept. And I, it's simply this. It is when you serve the best interests, just like you have, my man, when you serve the best interest of your customer, rather than serving the best interest of yourself, you will always make more sales. Now you do that by being curious and asking very good curated, maybe even choreographed questions that fuel a quality sales conversation. Now, when you have a quality sales conversation, this is what happens. The customer then closes themselves. You don't need to close. Oh, money. Catapult, the commission's family. Rewind that. Listen to that again. A quality conversation with the right curated questions leads your prospect to closing themselves. You not closing them. I, I love how you explain that. I love how you simplify that. It's, it's asking those questions. You did mention something uh, almost in, I think the phrase you, you said, they were choreographed questions, meaning they're rehearsed questions or they're questions thought of in advance. Yeah. yeah. And I have to be careful with that because that choreography is, there is a structure and there is a sequence, right? So uh -huh. the first thing we don't do is say, do you want to buy my product? The first thing we want to say is something like, hey, Anthony, great catch up you. Uh, been really looking forward to this conversation. Could I just first ask, I hope you don't mind me asking, could I ask, um, why do you think perhaps we might be able to help you? Mm. Now, what we're doing there is we're then getting the bar to justify their buying motives. And they go, well, uh, I've done some research on you guys and you've got a good line of products or SKUs. Uh, we've got a, I've got a, a colleague that's using your product services. And I don't know, I would like to understand a little bit more. And cool. Okay, so let's qualify things a bit further. Now, notice, listeners, the word I use there. It's a really safe word. This is about signaling bias safety. This is probably a whole podcast we could have on this very subject, Anthony. I'd like to qualify. Let's qualify. So this is collaborative. This is co-creation. Let's qualify if we can help you. Because I'm not really sure at the moment whether without having that conversation, asking a few questions, whether our product service can actually fit and meet your needs. So is it okay if I ask a few questions? So what I'm doing there, listeners, is I'm signaling buyer safety.
because a buyer will not buy when they don't feel safe. And I'm no expert on that, but that is psychology, right? Because we talked about right at the start of the show, Anthony, reactions theory. I don't want to be forced. I don't want to be controlled. You know, we want to be following, we want to be following a line of questioning very softly. And uh, I'm using there something that we call sentence starters, which are the prefix to the questions which soften a line of questioning. Now, my questions are actually quite hard questions because they're designed or choreographed to get the right answer. But because I've rehearsed them and it's kind of a natural muscle memory to me, they're not scripted, they're a script. And so I will just drop those questions in in a special sequence and structure and then adapt it on the line of questioning and the intel and the insight I'm getting back from the prospect. I know there's a lot there. Sorry to drop that. No, no, no. What you're sharing there I think is relevant that we understand and, and kind of dive deep on that because it's the questions and in, in you're asking, you mentioned the, you use structure versus sequence. Um, I have a problem, a serious problem with scripts. When we yes. go through sales training programs and someone just gives this person a script mm. and, and I've seen this thousands, literally thousands of times, follow the script, follow the manual. Mm. You'll be fine. Yeah. hundred percent. You create salespeople that just follow the script, that don't know why they're asking what they're asking, don't know what to respond when someone responds the way they weren't told they would respond. So your question you just shared right now with me, uh, the first question was, you know, why would you think, it was some along the lines, why do you think we'd be fit to help you today? Uh, dude, I, I got to tell you, Sinjin, I've heard thousands of questions, of opening questions. I always thought my opening question was genius. That is genius. I, I'm like, yeah, because I immediately- Here's another one for your listeners, and I maybe it's not as good. I don't know, but I mean, you know, I I, I steal from many sources. Okay, so yeah. I'm not not, um, and I synthesize like all of us because we're a student, a, a student self. Yeah. Anthony, uh, what's the problem you think you're trying to solve here? Ooh, yeah. So what we're doing is we're framing the question to get the right answer. So what I'm saying here, listeners, is the question is the answer. So if you want one really, really good psych tool as part for understanding the buyer's brain, we want to understand that we've got to follow a line of questioning and it's structure, not sequence. They're not mutually exclusive. It's structure and sequence. And you're absolutely right, my man, around um, uh, script. You follow a script. You mustn't be scripted. You have to put it in your own voice. So we give these little things called sentence stars. Now, being an Englishman who apologizes for everything, even though it's not our own fault, and now I'm here down under apologizing for my woeful rugby team against the All Blacks, who are pretty kick-ass rugby team, right? And they constantly beat my fellow countrymen. And I've lived down here for 24 years, coming off farm. Long story. What I'd say is those sentence starters that I've just shared with you, do you mind me asking is the, a soft way of asking a really, really hard question. Now, here's the gift, because I want to give lots of value to your listeners. Yeah, yeah. When I train my teams, the sentence starter isn't just asking permission and getting the client a state of readiness to answer what could be enveloped or wrapped as quite a hard question. Because when I ask you, do you mind me asking, Anthony, what's the problem you think you're trying to solve here? Now, you've noticed my tone and my intent here. I've softened it with that sentence starter. It works for the customer, but more importantly, it works for the salesperson, the asker, because everyone goes exactly what you're doing. Back to your first point about the scripts is, I can't ask those questions. Those questions are way too big. They're way too true. They're going to think I'm nosy. They're going to tell me to piss off. They're going to say, mind your own business. What are you asking me all these questions for? 
I can guarantee you 99% of the time, and I've had a lot of sales conversations, I've been in this business for about 25 years, mm-hmm. almost everyone goes, I like that person's intent. They are curious and they want to serve my needs, not your own. And you signal your sincerity to serve and your genuine intent to help them get the outcomes that they've told you by the quality of your questions. Well, I'll tell you what, Sinjin, it's that question there for me, when you ask me that question, I, you know, let's just say, you know, let's flip the tables, right? I'm coming to you, I'm asking for help consulting on my company and we jump on a call and you start there. To me, that question establishes instant credibility for you. Meaning, you've clearly done this before. You're not trying to push something on me that I'm not going to need. You're actually going to care about what I'm going to tell you. And, you know, the sales brain of me on the side of me that, that I can't turn off because it's who I am by nature. Whatever I tell you, we're going to revisit down the road in our conversation because I literally have just, for lack of better words, I exposed my poker hand to you to what's important to me by answering that question. And a great salesperson will carry that, put it in the, their data bank and have the conversation about that over and over again. I, I think it's genius, man. Yeah, it's an anchor point, right? It's yeah. an anchor point. And it's very, very important, you know, where we're doing gap selling, you know, and we might say, well, where are you at now? And mm-hmm. where would you like to be? And here's another, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to give you all my tips and tricks. because I'm Yeah, buddy. Uh, so, <laughs> so what we say is, imagine we were sitting down 12 months from now, what would a good result look like for you? Mm. Now, what we're doing is we're future casting it because today they are where they are. And then we take them to where they want to be. And then we take them to back where they are. So there's a bit of a hurt, but your product or service is the heel. Mm. And a lot of that confidence from where you just shared right now to have that dialogue with somebody, in my opinion, comes from two parts, right? One, understanding the person you're speaking to, but two, really having the confidence in yourself that you can deliver on what it is you're going to deliver. Um, I've worked with numerous companies that, you know, I'm like, hey, how would you rate your product or service on a scale of one to 10? And if the owner of the company doesn't tell me 10 plus, I immediately say, until that number is 10 plus, you could pay me a million dollars in the world. You could pay me a million dollars every month. I can't fix that issue until you believe that issue. So to hear you say that, I love it because everything you just shared right now and how we're breaking this down here today has nothing to do with the color or the bells and whistles or the features and benefits of the product. It's just my confidence that I can solve your problem. And to you, the consumer, knowing that I care about your problem. You got it, mate. And uh, how we sum it up as well in in this part of the show is that um, your confidence is dialed in by those competencies and those capabilities. I always say there's a correlation between confidence and competence. The things that I'm teaching your listeners here that may not heard this stuff before is if you can find that mental edge by being planned and prepared, you will profit and you will perform because you will have a psychological advantage, not only over yourself, but over your sales competitors, because you understand how you work and you also understand how you are received, how you come across, but also then how that buyer brain is receiving you and working through that purchasing process because selling is, you know, like I said, I'm, I'm, I'm provocative here, Anthony, for good reason, and I'm very contrarian sometimes and very non-conventional, is the problem with sales is selling. We adopt a seller mindset, not a buyer mindset. We serve our own needs rather than the needs of our customers. This seems so simple to me and straightforward and common sense, but I have to say it all the time. 
And so what we have to do is we have to really understand what that buyer wants. And so some of the questions I'll share with you is, is a mechanism for doing that. Mm. Well, I, I'll tell you what, Sinjin, the skills that you've developed and that you're training right now, right? You're, you train rural sales teams. You, mm. you you specialize in an industry that, that you know, if you know about the ag industry, you're like, man, that's a great industry. If you don't, you're like, oh, I didn't even realize that that's, that's, a, that's a place where people. That's the uh, thing. Yeah, it's a thing, right? So, but nonetheless, what we shared today, industry agnostic, right? If you're a small business, a small entrepreneur, or if you're the VP of sales of the largest conglomerate, we shared literally the skills that can make a significant growth, no pun intended, catapult someone's commissions by simply knowing the dialogue to have. So I, I love, love that feedback. Sinjin, we got a few minutes left here. Can you give us some insight, right? What's, what's, you know, how does someone get a hold of you? What is the, what is like the last founding thoughts you want to leave our audience with today? Um, I would say I'll give you one piece of, I mean, I've given you the advice really is, is just become a student of human behavior. If you want to get a sales advantage, if you want a serious competitive advantage, you need to understand psychology. It is a sales superpower. And you're absolutely right, Anthony, my man. It is, it is applicably, universally applicable against industry. I help farm machinery, tractors, headers, chaser bins, genetics, feed, fertilizer, all that kind of stuff, um, agronomists and all the rest of it. But it's applicable everywhere. If you want to have a serious competitive advantage, you need to study human behavior and understand human psychology because we have to influence, we have to persuade. I, that would be that would be my parting thought. Um, if people want to get hold of me or they like what I'm rattling on about, um, they can reach out to me on LinkedIn. Uh, I think Anthony will chuck the LinkedIn um, in, in the show notes. If people want to connect me, I write a lot of articles there. And then if anyone is in the rural um, space or the agricultural agribusiness space, or even if they're not and they want to understand more around psychology of sales, um, I've written my own book. It's a free ebook that you can get for your catapulting commission uh, listeners. Um, I've chucked it on Amazon, but you can have it for free. And you go to Rural Sales Success. So that's rural, R-U-R-A-L, success.com, one simple URL. Everything you want there. There's an ebook. If you want to listen to my podcast, if you want to join my email group, my Facebook group, it's all there, my man. And uh, I'm happy to be generous and uh, share any of those tools or resources with your listeners. Well, Sinjin, I appreciate it. And Catapulted Commissions family is ruralsalesuccess.com. You will find all those links in the show notes. So if you're listening to the audio version, click your show notes. If you're on YouTube or you're watching it on your other on a different platform, I guarantee the show notes are there. Worst case scenario, go to anthonypgarcia.com backslash podcast. We'll have a link to the show. You'll find everything you need to learn about Sinjin uh, there. Sinjin, I am so excited for to release this episode. I can't tell you how much value we've gotten out of this one. Like, like no... No, no fluff, my man. This is 35 minutes, 33 minutes of raw sales training that, let's be honest, people charge a lot of money to hear the conversation we just had and yeah. we're giving it away for free, man. And I'm, I'm excited. You know, I love the reason I love podcasting is I get to connect with guys like you or girl, or, you know, or let's say people like you I want to be, you know, appropriate to, to my female guests in the show, but it's just, we learn and we grow so much from from sharing stuff. So I appreciate that, man. I wish you abundant success. Um, and you know, Sinjin, uh, while we're on air, I'd love to get you back on the show in a year or two from now, man. Like I said, we're going on year four of the show. I, I tend to bring old guests back on and see what has changed, what's growth and 
and kind of uh, get an update. Was that? Can I count on you for that, bud? Oh, mate, 100%. I would absolutely love that. And I really, I have to uh, applaud you and take my hat off to you, Anthony. Year four in podcasts. Uh, guys like you give me a good kick up the ass to motivate me to get my podcast out, which I'm doing. And uh, I'd love to get you on the show and, and you can rain some gold as well. But uh, yeah, always a privilege. And I love jamming with like-minded individuals like yourself. Isn't it awesome in this world today? Here you are in uh, Bakersfield, LA, north of LA. I'm in uh, Havelock North on the east coast of New Zealand on the North Island. We've, we've jammed. We've had a really good chat. Yeah, absolutely, man. And I, and I love the podcast and appreciate the feedback on that. And uh, I will definitely share the links to all of that, plus your podcast, and I'd love to be a guest on it. Uh, Catapulted Commissions family, it's that time of the show. You know what to do. Do me a favor, go smash that like button. Be sure to subscribe. Shoot me a DM. Let me know your thoughts. Let me know how you, if you, what you took today, what was the takeaways, what, what questions you have for Sinjin, and feel free to reach out, connect with him, go download the book. Uh, so we'll end on that. You guys know what to do. I love you, and I'll see you all next week. catapulting commissions family that does it for today's episode if you found some value please be sure to head over to itunes and leave a five-star rating don't forget to subscribe that way you're notified of new episodes if you want to see the video portion of this podcast head over to youtube and look up catapulting commissions podcast finally if you want a free copy of catapulting commissions be sure to text the word hello to 661-228-8967 Again, text the word HELLO to 661-228-8967. Thanks for listening to the show. I'll see you next week.